Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. As the screen says, prayer is powerful, but prayer is only powerful because of the person to whom we pray, right? And that's the Almighty, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by His Spirit. Um, and we've been on a series called Conversations about that very topic, about prayer. And I'd ask that uh, you open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at two passages today, beginning in Matthew 26. And uh, we'll begin at verse 36, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 22 beginning at 39. Those are on the screen for you right there. So if, you, if you've brought your Bible, go ahead and open up there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you. That's yours. Make it your own. Uh, this past Wednesday, we had a, uh, at our youth group of our band of teenagers, we had a, a young man who, who stepped in for the very first time. And when he walked away that evening, he walked away with his very first Bible. Because you tithe. You tithe. And we were able to give that to him. That was the first time he's ever had a Bible. So the pew Bible in front of you, if you don't own one, it's yours. Take it. Make it your own. If you have your phone, pull out your phone. Pull the Bible app up to Matthew chapter 26. And if you don't have any of the other above, we've got it up on the screen for you. We're looking at two passages and they're the same story. But they have a little difference. Matthew is kind of the Blu-ray extended version. Luke is the very focused cut. It's focused dealing with the, the, physical, the physicality of what Jesus is, is enduring and about to endure. It's raw, it's emotional, it's very human. And so, as we look at both of these, these cuts, the extended version and the, and the very focused version, we're going to walk through the scene. Because we want to become eyewitnesses of the moment. So, if you would, follow along with me. Then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to them, sit here. While I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he literally opened up his chest cavity to those three and said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Literally. He's surrounded, encompassed, and engulfed by sorrow no matter where he looks that's all he can see 
overwhelmed to the point of death because he knows his death is imminent. And he said, stay here. Keep watch. Pray with me. Going a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground. Face to the earth. Face on the earth. Faced covered in dirt. So close to the earth that the tears that are falling from his eyes can create mud. He's prostrate. And he says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Mark, the other gospel writer, actually lets us know that he begins the prayer with Abba, Father. And then he notes that the Father, everything is possible for you. And then he goes and he says, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And as we watch his prayer, it shifts. The word shifts very slightly. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples. And guess what he found them doing? Sleeping. They were nodding off. I just want to insert a note here. (laughs) You, You think you know where I'm going, but I'm not. I'm not going to talk about falling asleep during the sermon. No, 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 no. In this moment, Jesus does chastise the disciples. He wants them to watch and pray as, as he's praying because he, he one, wants them to pray for him, but he also, one, wants them to pray that they don't fall into temptation. He knows what's about to happen, but I want to encourage you you've ever fallen asleep while you pray I just want to tell you it's okay it's okay it's kind of like when you're little and you crawl up into your mom or dad's lap and put your ear to their chest and you listen to their voice and listen to their breathing and you're so comfortable and you're so at peace. You just fall asleep. It's okay. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Just be present with him, okay? You get that one for free. All right. He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time, and he prayed. Watch the shift in the words of his prayer. Let me remind you what his first prayer was. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The second time, my father... If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This should give us indication that even in the the agonizing moment, 
even in the struggle and in the stretch of prayer, God is actually speaking. And Jesus is shifting not only his prayer, but his mindset and his heart. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he felt he left them and went away once more, a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Wake up! Wake up! Look, the hour is near. And the Son of Man, Jesus, is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. That's the extended cut. Let's look at Luke's focus. Luke 22, chapter, or verse 39 and 45. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Let's pause for a second. This is a commonplace. Anytime Jesus moves south from Galilee into the Judea region, into Jerusalem, this was his place. We've Christianized this term prayer closet. Jesus didn't have a closet. No one in the first century had a closet. Come on. All right? His prayer closet was a place, a garden, a mountainside, by the lake, as he was going about his business. And here, this was a place that he frequented. Not only did he frequent, but his Disciples followed him. It's this grove of olive trees. And if you recall, in Matthew's extended cut, this is a place that the people called Gethsemane. That word means olive press. It's a the meaning of olive press, the, the, the meaning of Gethsemane is this, the olive press is this massive machine of stone and wood for the express purpose of pressing and pressing and pressing the fruit of the olive tree, the olive, to extract that oil. If you have a kitchen and you cook, you might have extra virgin olive oil in your pantry. That is the finest of all the oils that are extracted from the olive. Gethsemane is a place of pressing. Intense pressing on the person of Christ. John gives us a clue that the reason Judas knew where Jesus would be is because Judas has been there many times as well. Let's continue. And his disciples followed. On reaching 
the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew a stone's throw beyond them. Now we know from Matthew's extended cut, he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further than the other eight. But then he himself went further than the three, alone, by himself. He knelt down. We knew from Matthew's extended cut, he eventually gets face down. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, we're not sure when this moment happens. We're not sure if this next moment happens after the first time he prayed or the second time he prayed, but we know it didn't happen after the third time he prayed. But watch what Luke tells us. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. This harkens back to the the time that Jesus is actually in the desert. Matthew chapter 4, the front end of Mark, where he's tempted. He's fasting for 40 days, and those 40 days he's battling the enemy. And one of the temptations by the devil was for Jesus to throw himself off because the scripture says the angels will tend to him. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When Jesus was done with the temptation, when when the 40 days were over and he was hungry, it was then the angels appeared and attended to him. At his moment of weakness, physical, emotional, mental, psychological, and spiritual weakness. Here we have a very similar moment. But notice the transition. Notice what's happened. The scripture says he prayed more earnestly, more intently, more intentionally, and more intensely. He prayed more earnestly. And Luke, being a doctor, points out that in this anguish, this agony, this excruciating pain, that's more mental than anything. It takes a toll on the body. And Luke points out that Jesus' sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is a rare condition called hematidrosis in which the, the blood vessels, the capillaries, they burst and they excrete themselves outside of the, through the sweat glands. Very rarely because only under excruciating stress does this happen. So not only are the tears mingling with the, with the dirt, but now it's blood and sweat and tears. And that anguish is, it's a whole self. It's wholly stretched. W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. It's his whole self being stretched out. Remember, 
This is the olive press. It squeezes and squeezes and presses and presses. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Side note, at the end of this garden moment, all those he asked to pray scattered. Peter eventually denied Christ three times. Thomas wasn't to be found. He wasn't to be found for a week after the resurrection. Pray that he will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, the crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. One of his very own. Father, we ask that in this moment that you tune in our hearts and our minds. That you open us up to the scriptures. Help us be sensitive and tender to what you speak and obedient to what it is that you speak. It's in your name we ask. Amen. When Jesus' disciples had asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, they weren't ignorant and unschooled of the act of having a conversation with prayer. No, and in their memories, in their childhood, they, they remember what it was to pray. Their parents taught them to pray twice daily, those ancient words of the ancient Hebrews from the time of Moses, the time when God manifested himself physically in a pillar of cloud or fire. This was not an odd act for them. No, they prayed all the way through their childhood, even into their adulthood. They were very aware. But when their rabbi, when they saw their rabbi having conversations with God on a hillside, when they listened to their rabbi call upon the name of God to heal someone or even just to give thanks, or even when they, in those high spiritual moments, they noticed that Jesus, he prayed differently than they had ever experienced or they had ever prayed before in their life. He prayed differently than, than the leaders in the temple. He prayed differently than the Pharisees, which were the pastors of the day. He prayed differently than they did. It wasn't this ritual or this plea. No. Jesus prayed as if there was familiarity with God. 
Jesus prayed with sincerity and honesty and openness. As if God was friend. And so, intrigued by how Jesus had conversation with God, they said, teach us. Teach us to pray. Because you, you have conversations differently. It's not ritualistic. And so when Jesus began, He said, when you pray, say. Luke and Matthew, they started off a little differently, but they both kind of have the same concept. One says, our Father. The other says, Father. And it's that one word. That one word. Now, today, that word, Father, it comes with a lot of baggage. Emotional, psychological. It comes with centuries longs of this patriarchal society and the, the female oppression. But when that word comes across the lips of Christ and it lands to the ears of the disciples, they hear something completely different. They sense something different than they ever have before. That God is not far off. He's not distanced from humanity. But He's close. See, in 2023, there are many folks that question the existence of God. And many that just don't even question it anymore. They don't believe. For the first century, human being, God's existence was never in question. It was never a question. Even if you were a pagan and you didn't follow the monotheistic Yahweh, they didn't question the existence of God's. But for them all, the question was, is God knowable? Is He relatable? Is He personable? Is He personal? Is He even interested in the human dilemma? Is He even interested in your dilemma? Your life? God's existence wasn't ever in question. What was in question was, was God knowable? And with one simple word, as you can see, there's a lot of crew heading out. This is their last show for the, for the weekend, for Schoolhouse Rock. You guys rock it out. We appreciate you. We're proud of you. Enjoy. Yeah, we love you guys. Love you guys. Autographs will be given at, what, 4 o'clock in the main lobby. (laughs) Jeez.
<laughs> so the question was whether or not God was knowable. Jesus, and when he was teaching his disciples, and even in the garden, with Matthew's extended cut, and with Luke's physical focus, Jesus starts out this struggle and this stretch with Father. Now, I don't know about you, but when I walk through grief, when I walk through pain, when I walk through disappointment, when I walk through hurt, when I walk through betrayal, when I walk through uncertainty, I seem to convince myself that God is way far away from what I'm feeling and dealing. I don't know if that's you, but it's me. Let me put it this way. You ever walk into a room and you wonder why you walked into the room? What did I come in here for? Oh! You start having this conversation with yourself, you're like, am I crazy? Then you walk back out of the room and you're like, okay, let's start from the beginning, right? Or maybe you're mid-sentence, mid-conversation and you just forget what you were saying. That happens to me every Sunday. Or you're driving to a destination and you, one, forget where you're driving to. Or two, you literally pass your destination and you have to turn back around. Yeah, is that ever happened? Am I the only one? Maybe it's, it, and teenagers, you, you truly, well, okay, thank you for being the only honest one in the room, Brendan. Appreciate it, man. Like, but you guys aren't invincible because I, I, I know you often say, well, I forgot to do this and I forgot to do that. Or I didn't turn that in. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom, Dad. I forgot to tell you. And it's not that you're trying to get out of responsibility. You just sometimes forget. Like, none of us are invincible from forgetting what we were doing. Forgetting the important things. If You ever wonder if we're so prone to forgetting why we're doing what we're doing, regardless of our age? How often is it that we forget who we're talking to when we pray? Does that happen to you? It happens to me. Jesus reminds us that in the struggle and in the stretch and the agonizing moments of prayer that you're talking to the Father who knows you and is knowable. You're talking to God who is holy, who is truth, who is loving, who's creator, who's with you. Isn't that the trick? Isn't that the monkey wrench of faith? I mean, it's really, really easy to remember who God is when things are going copacetic, right? When things are content and it's not rough and it's, whether it's indifferent or you're, you're really happy or you're joyful, 
The trick is when to remember who God is in the face of depression. When you're at the end of your rope. When you're questioning your purpose of life. Looking for meaning. When you've been fired. When you're not sure where the money's coming from this week. When you're being bullied unrelentingly at school. It's really hard at that moment, isn't it? The extended cut and the focus cut. We're looking at a moment that's agonizing. I can't even begin to put that into words. But he reminds us who he's talking to just in the first words. The knowable God and the God who knows you. In the stretch, in the struggle, know that God, who you're talking to. Remember who it is that you're talking to. I think I'm more convinced that at my age now that we don't like the struggle. We prefer times of comfort and convenience over challenge and controversy, don't we? However, there's this intrinsic desire to have freedom, peace, hope other things like character integrity grace wisdom I think we often want the things that we desire without doing the work and feeling the pain to get those things I uh, have this stretch band this exercise band that uh, Rebecca from the WAC uh, so generously allowed me to borrow. Um, it's a gigantic rubber band is really what it is, right? And they use this, you use this for rehabilitation purposes to strengthen the, the muscle that is um, had injury or it enhances your workout or you can use the exercise bands for pre-workout, for prep, to begin to pump blood into that muscle area that you're going to work out. But the premise is simple. I mean, it's a rubber band. It's not complicated, right? The resistance is greater with a thicker band versus a thinner band, but either way, it's based on the principle of resistance, isn't it? And it's based on the principle of the repetitious act of stretch, stretch, and release, isn't it? Stretch and release. That's how blood is getting pumped through 
not only your body, but into that particular section of muscle. And if you continue to do this, it's going to be uncomfortable, especially if you're in rehab, right? We often want the things that we want without the stretch, without the pain of the stretch, without the agony, without the struggle, without the wrestle. We want wisdom without doing the work. We want hope without embracing the darkness and facing the darkness. We want peace without fighting for it. We want it without the stretch. We want it in our comfortability where there's no pressure on the soul, on the mind, on the emotion, on the heart. Folks, you can't have the things of worth, of value, such as peace, such as freedom, hope and wisdom, character and integrity. If you're unwilling to be in the stretch, to be where there's pain, to be where there's tension. Tension is where the growth is. We are a society that are trying to coddle our youth. We're trying to protect them from things that might actually hurt them. We're not going to be able to put our kids in bubble wrap and send them out into the world. Why do we expect that with our own life too? Jesus is literally in the stretch. This is not a place of comfort, convenience. I'm convinced now more than ever that those that time in the garden had a lot less words. A lot more moments where he was grabbing his chest and he was exasperated and he was pounding the ground. His fists were full of dirt. His heart was in his throat. When it said that the angel had come and appeared and strengthened him, I'm sure that was a wordless moment for him. That word where it says strengthen him, it literally means that it was forced into him. Kind of like water through a fire hose. He was forced within his, the depths of his soul to where he was losing courage to even step into what was in front of him. I'm convinced more now than ever if this portion of the gospel, this moment of Jesus was absolutely removed, if the gospel writers did not write this moment, I would find it really hard to relate to Jesus 
because I believe that this is one of his most human moments recorded. Because I think many of us, though we're not facing death, an excruciating death, a torturous death, it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? It feels lonely. It feels dark. We don't have any courage to muster up anymore. We're tired. We're worn. And we're just grabbing at the dirt. In the struggle and in the stretch, God Himself strengthens But, again, Jesus prayed differently, as if he was familiar with the Father. There are many of us, we haven't even got to familiarity with the Father. Familiarity with the Father comes through in this moment as if Jesus has been talking with God the whole time throughout his ministry and throughout his life. I'm convinced that he had. Are you familiar with the Father? I can tell you he's familiar with you. Are you familiar with him? This whole month has been about conversation with the Father primary purpose of prayer is to to know and be known. To know God. To know that God knows you. To love. To be loved. To receive the love of the Father. And to begin to love God with all of you. You were designed. You were designed to have a conversation with your Creator. It's been built into you. You're designed to hear His voice. Are you familiar with the Father? If you're not, you can be today can be. It's through Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. He was the one that struggled and in a stretch. And you know what he did? He surrendered and sacrificed himself for your soul to give you life not just at the end of your breath, but for every breath that you take between now and then. Are you familiar with the Father? He's familiar with you. Are you in the struggle? Are you in the stretch? Is that where life is for you? Can't find the meaning? Can't find the purpose? Life is dark for you. You 
can find that meaning, you can find that purpose through Christ. He surrendered himself and he sacrificed himself that you might be free of the sin that's binding you. So today, I ask you, are you familiar with the Father? If you're not, do you want to be? Because it's in the struggle and the stretch. He wants to enter in. He wants to enter in. He wants to strengthen you in the struggle and the stretch. He wants heaven to force itself right through you, but it ain't going to force itself through you unless you open your chest cavity to him and you say yes. Are you familiar with the Father? Oh, he's familiar with you. If you want him, now's your moment. This is the moment. I ask that you struggle and you stretch and you say, God, I want you. I give my life over to you just as you gave your life over for me. Jesus, I give you my life. It's the beginning of the conversation. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. Are you familiar with the Father? He wants to be familiar with you. He's knowable. He's personable. He's invested in you. He's interested in you. So, would you mind bowing your heads and your hearts? If you want to be familiar with the Father, this is your moment. Will you pray along with me? Jesus, I give you my life. I'm in the stretch. I give you my life. I'm in the struggle. I give you my life. And Father, I want the life that you have. Jesus, I give you my life. This is your moment. Cross the line of faith today. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead, that he died on the cross and for our sins and he rose from the dead. Man. That you are saved, that you are with the Father. We just confess that today. Jesus, I give you my life. For those that have already given their life, over to you, to the Lord. The Father wants you to become more and more familiar with Him. It's in the tension. It's in the struggle. It's in the agony. It's when life is in tatters, when you are just uncertain of what's going to happen. That's when it becomes even more familiar. That's when things get developed on this, in, in your soul and in your mind and in your heart. I challenge you to embrace the struggle and the stretch. Heavenly Father, 
I love you. I am grateful that your love for me and your love for us is consistent. That we can't do anything more or anything less for you to love us more or less. That you're already beaming over, overflowing with the love that you have for humanity and for each person. That your love was expressed on the cross and in the resurrection. And that your love is accessible and can wash over us. I am grateful today. It's in your name, Jesus. that we have this conversation. Amen. Would you, you mind standing? If you're new here, thank you for being here. Let us know that you were here, if you don't mind. We have a connection card that's online. Fill it out simply. But if if you're here and you for the very first time become familiar with the Father who's been very familiar with you, if you gave your life over to Christ, we ask that you let us know. You can do that with a personal conversation. That would be awesome. Because we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to walk with you in that. You don't do it by yourself. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Hey, we love you guys. We'll see you soon. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.